following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Episode 765 of I Doubted Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. Well, it's too bad, Jesse D, that you don't have a nice big box of vegan donuts to <laughs> feast on for your time doing the show today. I wonder. I, I I actually really wonder what their vegan donuts tasted like. Now, don't go too hard on this because you're going to upset some vegans, probably. Well, I don't, we're you... not even going to talk about the vegan offering, though. Okay. Well. So, so on Saturday? On the, Saturday. The day is probably not important. Brittany Page and I sitting outside having a mimosa on an outdoor patio. And across across the sidewalk in this little little weird area, there's a a, a vegan donut shop. Mm-hmm. And I asked uh, the server, I said, "Hey, uh, do they sell only vegan stuff, or do they sell regular donuts too?" Mm-hmm. And she assured us, "Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, regular donuts too." So you went over and got some donuts. Boy, what a great story this is. <laughs> and uh, and I tasted one. I just yeah. tasted it. Mm-hmm. And I said, ah, you know, it's pretty good for a vegan donut. Yeah. Only to learn. <laughs> it was not. It was not. It was one of their regular ones. Uh, not good. Very meh. Very meh. T- Listen, it's hard to fuck up a donut. You know what I mean? I mean, I, mean, I would know. I don't make donuts, but... It seems that every donut I've ever eaten in the history of my life has been pretty good. Pretty good donut. Yeah. Yeah, I like I I am a I'm a fan. I wouldn't say connoisseur, but I'm a fan of a maple bar. Mhm. That one was maple bar-ish. I think it was like salted caramel or something it was hmm. supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, not good. The texture of the of the the donut meat wasn't good. The dough. Yeah, the dough. Well, mm-hmm. it's not dough after it's cooked, is it? The... We're getting into the finer points of the weeds now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was shocked. Yeah. I thought you would fed me a vegan donut, and I was, oh, you know, eh, it's okay, I guess. Yeah, well, we got betrayed related to desserts recently. We got betrayed. Not just with the donuts, but also with a cake, because we ordered a cake at this sushi place, and it came out, and it was it was very much not good at all. And we asked, is hang this... On, hang on, It was very much not good. We asked, is this is this a vegan cake? And they were like, yeah, isn't it really good? And I'm like, okay, there needs to be a warning on the menu. A warning. There needs to be some sort of indication this is, like, this is a vegan dessert. It makes a difference. It does. Vegan cake ordered. And again, I'm not trying to shit on vegans. I, You guys are for sure doing the right thing. Everyone who's eating meat, 
I'm including myself in this. Like This is a conversation we just recently had. It's very bad. You think that in a, a shorter amount of time than me, mm-hmm. that we're going to, society is going to look back at us like we're just fucking barbarians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be like 150 or 200 years. Yeah, we'll see how long. You think it's a lot sooner. Yeah. We'll see how Which long it true. takes. It's true. Yeah, but I, I admire it, and I'm not trying to be snooty. I'm I'm just saying this this cake was not very good. I'm sure there's other vegan cakes that are really good. It's just generally speaking, I have not had oh, no, 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 no. a great experience. Yeah, but it's a relative thing. Yeah. Because they're not as good as r- real milk and butter deliciosity. Yeah. For sure not. I mean, I think that there are people, vegans, who would say <laughs> that that is not true. I think I think, I think that that is the case. I think they would be fooling themselves. Well, again, this is why I said be careful because we don't want to upset the vegans. Again, I will remind all of the vegans, we admire what you do. And you are yeah, certain, so you're certainly doing the right thing. It's yeah, just this cake it's, was not very good. It's, they're suffering through the experience of food every day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. No. <laughs> okay. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollamore are solely those of Jesse Dollamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. We're six minutes and change in, and we already dropped a disclaimer, so it's looking like a good show. Didn't seem to be necessary there, but <laughs> I'll take it where I can get it. Yeah. Maybe that should just be the theme song. It, we we may consider that. We may consider that. <laughs> so anyway, not great. Yeah. I have an admiration for vegans in, mul- in multiple areas. One would be the long-suffering nature of their palate, but also the good that they're doing for the world. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. good times. Yeah. So let's get to some listener communication. Apparently, people are starting to get the refrigerator magnets in yep. the mail, mm-hmm. and we got a voicemail about it. Yay! That's literally <laughs> the noise. Hey, guys, it's Chris. That's the, uh, my little excitement that when I saw the envelope and it said Newport Beach, California, I freaking love the magnet. Of course, I will, I will put it somewhere and, and post a picture. Um, this is awesome. Um, I just, now I wish it was a sticker so I could put it on my work computer because it's awesome. But, um, all right. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye, guys. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, this actually gave us an idea to make it a sticker. So yeah, we might have to do that. Yeah, we might have to do that. So should we talk about what's on the, I mean, spoiler alert's over. They're, they've been online. All kinds of people have posted them. Yeah. So the magnet, the fridge magnet, is... um. Of an actual review, mm-hmm. one star review of the show from Apple Podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah, Apple Podcasts. So they, it, the person said something about I've shopped around and mm. I've listened. To, they just called us tactless and tasteless and a, a, a real disappointment all around, or something is yeah. the language. But mm-hmm. we turned that into the fridge magnet, and uh, I we all think it's very funny. Yeah, we love it, and listeners seem to like it too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, everyone knows that we like to. Uh, Shit on ourselves, I guess. Um, that's like uh, something that we do here at the show quite often. Easy to do. Easy to do. And also fun to do. Oftentimes. Yeah. 
oftentimes. All right. Well, let's get into some more serious voicemails. Uh, this one uh, about CRT. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Kristen uh, from California. I uh, glad you had a good time in uh, NOLA. Um, but on a serious note, uh, I had an epiphany, if you will. These same people that bitch and kvetch and c- clutch their pearls about uh, CRT and the cherry-picking of it to fit the narrative that um, America isn't racist and, and to to whitewash everything are probably the same people that cherry-pick the Bible to fit their narrative. The same people that scream that it says in the Bible that homosexuality is wrong, and, and no, it, it doesn't, but, you know, whatever you got to do, Karen. Um, I, as a, a mother of biracial children, feel I, I still don't understand why we're clutching our pearls over a subject that is not taught in middle elementary or high school. Like, why are you screaming about a fire that isn't there? So, anyway, um, that's just my thought. Thanks, guys. That's kind of the the go-to move of conservatives all across the country now, though, is screaming fire in a theater where there's no fire. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, too, what has happened is, and we've talked about this a lot, is it, it's no longer actually critical race theory that they're referencing. It's just any talk of race or racial issues or any type of factual representation of history. Critical race theory no longer means critical race theory to these Republicans. So they have completely changed the meaning. It's become a catchphrase to represent something much more than what critical race theory actually is. Which was the objective, the initial objective from the people in charge to uh, encapsulate all these other ills, all these other grievances that conservative has related to race and history and racism and um, poured into uh, this empty vessel that they labeled CRT, even though that's not at all what it is. Yeah, it it almost is like this cover that they want to have so that they can talk about how they don't want racism being taught so that they're not accused of being racist, but they can say it's critical race theory that they're against and then make it into something it's not, so then it's easier to attack it. Pretty gross. Yeah. Pretty gross. Uh, Thanks for the call, Kristen. We appreciate it very much. Next call. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Nathan in Denver. And I just... (laughs) So I'm sure that by now you guys have heard about the Kellogg's uh, strike and that Kellogg's is looking to replace all of the employees, 1,400 of them, and put in scabs to do the work. And, you know, besides that, I I just, like, I'm reaching, well, no, I've already reached rock bottom with this country, and it's why, like, I have no faith or hope in voting to change these things because even Biden's press release about it was sort of a shrug saying, I'm not going to do anything about it. I just paid four bills that were overdue from last month. I have four more that I couldn't pay this week and I don't get paid again until Christmas Eve. 
And that money is already spoken for by those four bills that I couldn't pay this time around. And so the cycle just repeats. And I'm just like, I'm tired of living in crushing poverty and this country not doing an absolute thing about it. So, I mean, I'm at a loss here. I don't really know what else to do. There's no way to get ahead. There's no way to advance. There's no way to, to, to make ends meet. And everyone just seems to be okay with this, um, saying that we need to trust the system and, and vote for the right people. And frankly, that doesn't, that hasn't worked for quite some time now. Listen, I, um, taking voicemails like this is always a, a delicate thing because me being the famously or infamously optimistic guy, I don't want anything that I say to come across like a lecture. I know what it's like to be counting your change for gasoline poor. That's what I've been calling it lately. Pretty recently, in fact. So I feel for you. It, it, it is a bummer. Our policies, they are failing the lack of, of uh, urgency on the part of leadership in this country is uh, disgusting and reprehensible. But let me say this. On your no faith or hope to change anything, if you cho- choose to disengage, you can guarantee it's never going to change. That's a g- guaranteed. And that's what they want. That's what the system will just, the system wants. They want to keep you oppressed. They want to keep you down. They want to keep you so focused on making a living that you have no energy, mental or otherwise, for anything else other than survival. But if you're able to find it within you to vote and to stay active in whatever way that you can, there is a glimmer of hope. For change. But without the faith and the hope and the whatever activism activism you can muster, it's a done deal. I feel for you, Nathan. It, it's uh it sucks. It absolutely sucks. You know, it's we talked about it last time when Brittany shared the tweet from the Democratic senatorial fundraising campaign or whatever. And they said, if you want to protect abortion, vote for Democrats. Well, we did. Mm-hmm. And you didn't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And you're not committed to abolishing the filibuster. I understand. And listen, it's it's cheap seats here. It's cheap seats. I'm not in your position. But um, I, I can feel for you and also say the things that I've said. Mm-hmm. Um, but goddamn, it, we are we are in a tough spot. In America right now, for mm-hmm. sure, and 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 I'll, let me and not seeming to get marketedly better either. So the first thing that Nathan mentioned there is Kellogg, and the company is going to be replacing fourteen hundred workers that have been on strike since October fifth. And I I share the frustration with Joe Biden's statement because it's kind of the 
the thing that we've come to expect from elected officials in these situations, unfortunately, where he said that he's deeply troubled by the reports and went into how important collective bargaining is and how this is undermining, quote, a critical role of collective bargaining and providing workers a voice and the opportunity to improve their lives. But ultimately, that's just what it is, right? A statement about how uh, deeply troubled he is by the reports. And so I hear Nathan in, in the frustration that's being expressed with that. I have also experienced those moments, like Jesse shared, of living paycheck to paycheck, having an account change to put gas in the car, living off a credit card and paying just enough to free up some available balance on the credit card to live off the credit card for another month, putting a card down when you're at a restaurant and singing Living on, a Net on the Edge by Aerosmith just for some levity in the moment, knowing that you're trying to live a normal life and have a moment of enjoyment eating at a restaurant, even though you're, you can't afford it. We have definitely been there and we've been there for extended periods of time. I mean, it's not like it was temporary that that state that we were in. And so it's not as though we are currently in your shoes, Nathan, or that anyone who has been poor before understands specifically what you're going through. That's not what we're saying. But I did hear you say that everyone just seems to be okay with this. And I would push back against that, that there's a lot of people who are not okay with this and are working very hard to change that. And it may not feel like that when Joe Biden issues a statement, but he's just one guy. And there's many people that are trying to improve that and that care very much about the struggles that poor people have in this country and that are doing a lot to try to improve it. And maybe the problem here is focusing a little too much on politics, reading the news a little too much. I don't know. Again, we need to get a drop that what I say here is not to be mistaken for professional advice because this certainly isn't it. But for me, I feel like if I got to the point where I was so frustrated and feeling like people are just telling me to vote for somebody and that's not going anywhere, I would maybe want to direct my attention and focus elsewhere on something that was more fulfilling or gave my life more value and purpose than feeling frustrated by the political inaction that we're seeing every day in the news. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So... We definitely want to hear from listeners on this because, Nathan, I'm, I'm sure you're not alone in your experiences and in your thoughts and your feelings. And if anyone heard Nathan talk about what he's currently experiencing and you feel like you want to give him some feedback, please email or call in 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let me also do this. Let me say this. Um... One, fuck Kellogg's. And me deciding not to buy Kellogg's products isn't going to make a goddamn bit of difference. But if we all decide, it'll hit their bottom line. So I'm going to read. I don't think this should take me too long. I'm just going to, I just went to their website and he, here's some products that you could uh, avoid Kellogg's All Brand, Apple Jacks, Austin since 1932. I don't even know what that is. Bare Naked Granola, Cars. They make the water crackers that I like. Fuck them. Cheez-Its, Club Crackers, Kellogg's Corn Pops, Cracklin' Oat Brand, Crips, uh, Crispix, uh, Egos, Fruit Loops, Frosted Mini Wheats, Garden Burger, Honey Smacks, uh, Incognito, it's a Morning Star, anything Morning Star, 
for you vegetarians and vegans. Uh, Joy Bowl, Jumbo Snacks, Kashi, Frosted Flakes, Limited Edition, Corn Flakes, um, Raisin Bran, Crave, Morning Star Farms, Muslix, Nutrigrain, Pop-Tarts, Pringles, Pure Organic, Rice Krispies, Smart Start, S'mores, Special K, Toasteds, Townhouse, and Zesta. All of those are Kellogg's products. And the way that you influence a company like this, who's doing bad shit, is to vote with your dollar. Withhold your dollar. It may not make a giant difference if if one or two or three or ten of or a hundred of us, but if we collectively get together and we convince our friends or whatever else, that's when change happens. Individually, we're but one person. But when we gather together, it's uh, a lot more powerful. Well, and remember that uh, people on Reddit, they spammed the job portal oh, right. they for the company. shut it down. Yeah. So people working in solidarity to support these workers. And again, we may not see change happen as fast as we need it or, or we want it. But there are good people who are doing good work, and it's it's important to make space for that, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we feel for you, Nathan. I think collectively we all do. Um, again, we'd love to hear from you. You can call. Leave us a brief voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Analam18, Analam18, Brian H, Brian H, Dimitru C, Dimitru C, Ralph S, Ralph S, John A, John A, Wolfstar, Wolfstar, OMG, I love bananas, OMG, I love bananas, Maggie H, Maggie H, not Maggie Haberman either, no. Well, we don't know. Oh, no, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and. As much shit as I talked about uh, 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 Maggie Haberman on, on Twitter, I doubt she's a supporter of the show. Sure. Ezekiel I. Ezekiel I. Thank you very much to our new Patreon supporters. You will all be getting magnets because you all became Patreon supporters before the end of the month. And so remember, that is a thing. You will get a magnet. It's our yearly gift that we do for Patreon supporters, something we started last year, which we're going to continue to do. We got to start thinking about what next year's gift is going to be. We don't need to start thinking about that yet. It's too soon. And you're a go-getter, Brittany Page. Yeah, so if you I mean if anybody if there's any quality if there's any quality that you bring to the table, yeah. it's getting it fucking done. Well, I appreciate that. That's what I strive for. I don't bring that to the table. <laughs> 
Sometimes you do. Mm. So it's happened. It has happened before. So if you become <laughs> a Patreon supporter before the end of the year, you will get a magnet. So anyone who became a Patreon supporter before like the ninth should be getting their magnet this week by the end of this week. If you feel like you should have gotten your magnet already and you haven't, reach out. I will check the lists, see when your magnet was supposed to go out and figure it out for you. So just keep us in the loop. Let us know. We want to get them out to you. If you haven't gotten it, we definitely want to get it to you. All right. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So COVID, as we learned today, I believe the numbers crossed 800,000 deaths for Americans. And for people 65 and older, one in 100 have died from COVID-19. That, I mean, listen, set aside the fact that we're approaching 1 million people dead inside of two years from this disease. That is a stark statistic. Mm -hmm. One in 100 elderly adults in the United States losing a full percent mm-hmm. of a generation because of one single pathogen right. is shocking. Yeah. Fucking shocking. Yeah, absolutely. And as we know, the new variant is making the rounds. And again, it's still preliminary, so we're not sure what it looks like with the virus. We don't know if it is less virulent, if it's a less virulent strain, or if we just are more protected with the vaccines and that's why it's looking like it's not as as severe as delta was for example so everything is still really preliminary but what we do know is that the vaccine boosters are showing to be uh, effective uh, have a greater effectiveness against the new variant than just the two mRNA doses. So getting boosted is very important. And surprisingly, you you still have people that are seeing what's happening, getting COVID. In this clip, we're going to play getting COVID twice and really struggling with it, like being hospitalized, serious condition, and still struggling with the idea of getting vaccinated. <sighs> Clive Ellis, one of thousands of patients suffering with COVID-19 here, stretching Michigan hospitals to the breaking point. When did you know you had to come to the hospital? What were you experiencing? My oxygen numbers were down in the upper 60s, lower 70s. Wow. Oh, dear. That's very low. Yeah. What does it feel like? It feels like a wreck. Unvaccinated, this is the 66-year-old's second bout of COVID-19, whatever natural immunity he had. It's my second round. This is way worse. And this was worse than the first? Yeah, and the first one was bad. Didn't help. His message now? Would you encourage others to get vaccinated now, though? Yes. How important is it? I mean, how how bad is COVID? It's, it's, It's terrible. You don't want it. Still, there are those like 62-year-old Deborah LaRoche in the COVID unit for a week now who says vaccination just isn't for her. I didn't want to be vaccinated. You did not want to be vaccinated? No. you think you'll get vaccinated after this? No. Why? I should be okay now. <laughs> you think? Yeah. 
The sickness, death, and seemingly endless suffering taking its toll on those who come to work every day to save lives at Lansing's Sparrow Health. The other day I had my first panic attack and I didn't know what it was. Like, I'm a nurse, I should know these things. And I drove to work and was just, I couldn't get out of the car. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was a full on, after I sat there for a minute, I go, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. Like, I did not want to come into work. Stress, tension, anxiety on the face and in the lives of every healthcare worker here. I've gone home a few days and had days where I just cry. And um, as a mom, it's really hard because my kids then are challenged to see that. So I have to put on a brave front for them too. But it's awful. Though most staff here are vaccinated, Sparrow has no vaccine mandate for its workers and is still suffering a shortage of staff, worn thin by stress, endless shifts, and treating preventable sickness and death. So it was interesting how the woman who was interviewed and said that she should be good now, referring to her natural immunity now that she's had COVID. Let's quote unquote natural immunity. Well, to juxtapose that with the first guy who was interviewed and said that he had COVID. This is his second time having COVID. And it's even worse this time. So obviously his, his natural immunity didn't help him in a significant way. Meaning he didn't have natural immunity. And and but this is what everyone is talking about. That's anti-vax, yeah. right? Yeah, They're yeah. like, no, you're good if you've had COVID. You have the natural immunity. And what underlies that? The logic that underlies all of that is that you just distrust vaccines because why wouldn't you get it? Who cares? Yeah, also, it's obviously it's the distrusting of the vaccine, but it's also it's this weird black and white thinking because just as there are breakthrough cases with vaccinated people, you're not immune. If you've had COVID before, mm-hmm. you can catch it again. And every individual immune system, um, th- the way I'm understanding it, is that your antibodies, they last a different amount of time. So you might have three months of immunity or six months of immunity, but it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. It just It's very frustrating. I have to force myself into the mindset of... That lady's not a dumb, this is me in my head thinking, that that lady's, oh, she's not a dumb-dumb. She's just afraid or, you know, trying to be compassionate about it. But it's, the fuse is wearing thin. As you could hear from the the healthcare workers there as well. Yeah. And I want to talk about some new survey data that came out of Public Religion Research Institute, because you've been hearing some of these vaccine mandates, people trying to say that they have a religious exemption. And I wanted to to share this number. 60% of Americans say that too many people are using religion as an excuse to avoid vaccine mandates. I was pretty surprised by that. 60% 60% saying yeah. that. It, it um, well, I, upon further reflection, maybe not. Because when I'm initially thinking about Christians, I think about my own faith tradition, which is evangelicalism. They're not part of that. I mean, they, there might be a scant percentage. But the real problem denomination relative to Christianity in this country is evangelicalism. Your normal run-of-the-mill Catholics, your normal religious people who are decent Americans who call themselves Christians, they they believe, you know, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. I don't believe they're part of the problem. So that 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 isn't, um, I have to really work through it, but it seems like it might be 
pretty close. Well, related to white evangelical Protestants, Robert P. Jones has a substack, former guest of the show, Robert P. Jones. And in his substack this week, he wrote, quote, white evangelical Protestants are the only major religious group among whom a majority does not agree that getting vaccinated is, quote, a way to live out the religious principle of loving my neighbors. Yeah. 42% versus 59% of all Americans. Not shocking. Yeah. I I do want to say... It's a fucking pernicious version of Christianity. Going back to uh, Catherine from Southern California and her call the other day about vaccinated family members, according to this this data, about one in five Americans say that vaccination has caused major conflict within their families. And 80% of vaccinated Democrats say they are angry at those who refuse to get vaccinated. While unvaccinated Republicans are angry at those who think they, quote, have the right to tell me to get vaccinated against COVID-19. There's a lot of anger and vaccination has led to conflict in families. One in five Americans. It's also that's kind of taken the page out of the the Marjorie Taylor Greene playbook by saying all kinds of people die of cancer. We're not shutting down for them. Mm -hmm. It's not contagious, dipshit. And it's the same logic that Republicans bring to the table, which is to say none. No logic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Idiots who are endangering the rest of us. I saw a debate. I guess Jake Tapper with State of the Union had a debate on his Sunday show for the first time. Hmm. And it was Bill de Blasio. And not a great representative of whichever side. Well, it was specifically about vaccine mandates. And he he was on with Governor Asa Hutchinson. Arkansas. And they were having, like I said, a debate about the vaccine mandates, obviously with their different approaches. And the reason I saw this in my feed was someone was like, this is such a great example of a debate from two people on opposite sides of this issue, really being patient and listening to each other and responding directly to each other's concerns. I, I did not walk away from watching that debate really thinking that i walked away thinking wow governor hutchison is wrong about everything he said and we're just supposed to like politely be like oh well i I see why you're saying that but actually we can disagree respectfully or whatever yeah well asa hutchinson is a guy who signed into law a ban on mandates or even mask mandates anything Mm -hmm. and then Almost immediately regretted it when their numbers spiked. But now things have calmed down a little bit. He's not so hot on his regret. Yeah. He's also a fucking dumb shit. Well, I loved the tweet that was getting dunked on all week on Twitter. Uh, It said something like, both the unvaccinated and the vaccinated can spread COVID-19. Yeah. And I think the most viral tweet that I saw was... Both Michael Phelps and I can swim. It was just some random <laughs> yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a beautiful illustration Completely. of the terrible logic in that tweet. Yeah. But again, hard to get people to understand how this works. Real dumb. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let's talk about Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is, again, standing in the way of the Build Back Better bill. It's like it's like his part-time job. It's I mean, it's it's I what, think it's his full-time job. He, <laughs> it's it's oh, we're we're making progress. It's getting ready to be good. Let me stand in the way. Let, let me do something to obstruct progress at every turn. 
Because I'm fucking Joe Manchin. Well, and let's just remind everyone that the progressives didn't want to vote for the infrastructure bill unless this legislation, Build Back Better, was also voted on at the same time because they were afraid of this happening. Yeah, exactly what they feared would come to pass is happening. They want to pass Build Back Better before the end of the year, before Christmas is the goal. But you have Senator Joe Manchin, who has been on the phone with Joe Biden, having these phone calls with him, talking to reporters, and he's still concerned. What is he concerned about? Well, he's concerned about excessive spending and persistent inflation. Ugh. Uh, it's alarming. It's going up, not down. And uh, I think that should be something we're concerned about. Geopolitical fallout. We've talked about that. I'm concerned with close to 100,000 troops on the uh, on the Russian-Ukraine border and also with the uh, continuous flyovers from China uh, taunting uh, Taiwan. Uh, these are all concerns of ours that we're very much concerned about. So we're very, very careful what we do. And I've always said the unknown right now is very, very great. And I want to make sure we can handle and take care of anything that does come at us. So do you think that some of these unknowns, is this legislation becoming more imminent for you? Or what are your conversations around a possible deadline or the urgency to get this done? Schumer says December 31st, maybe December that he'd like to see this. Or will it be when you want to come back? I know people have been in a hurry for a long time to do something. But I think basically we're seeing things unfold that, that allows us to prepare better. And that's what we should do. Take advantage of what we're doing in a very litigious way at making sure what we do and how we do it, for what period of time we do it, is something that we can uh, maintain, manage. Uh, my grandfather used to say, Un unmanaged debt will make a coward out of the decisions you make. And we're now at $29 trillion and we'll be pushing on to $30 trillion. And I'm sure that uh, uh, Mr. Powell, uh, with the feds, uh, they're going to make some decisions pretty soon here. And I'm understanding that he is... Uh, uh, considering things that we've talked about. Quantitative easing should be uh, reduced uh, or eliminated as quickly as possible, and, and the interest rate's going to affect all of us if he has to increase but, interest to try to control. Senator, what is your message going to be to President Biden today when you guys talk? No, I'm, uh, I don't have messages. I basically go and have conversations whenever the president calls me or wants to visit. We visit and talk genuinely uh, as, as person to person, as uh, Two people have had the experience of being in the Senate, him much longer than me, understanding this process, and uh, being res extremely respectful and very friendly. Senator, He's been a friend. Senator Graham said on Friday that in conversations with mm -hmm. you, you were stunned, that was his quote, by this modified CBO report that came out. Is that an accurate... Well, I've seen the Penn Wharton report. The Penn Wharton report, we've been working with a lot of different people, getting cross-sections of what really was a true figure. And we've seen figures pretty high on that. And then when the CBO came back and confirmed that, and yeah, CBO's figure was even a little bit higher, uh, I think it's 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 very sobering. People, you, be, you believe that? You believe that number? Have you finalized you your? I'll be right back. Have you finalized your plans? Are you going to the White House to meet with the president? I'm going sometime today, I believe. You know, it's either a phone call or I'm going over. I've heard both, so I'll find out when I go. It'll be later this afternoon or early this evening. And are you going to tell them whether you want to do this bill now? We're going to talk about exactly what, you know, what happened on Friday with the CBO score and inflation reports and things of that sort. And I'd like to hear theirs first, the president's first, where he's at and what his concerns may be. Would you believe that CBO number? I mean, the White House says that, look, this is not offset the spending. But the Republicans say this is the true cost. Do you believe it's the true cost, $3 trillion? That CBO is not a Republican or Democrat report. You know, CBO is a congressional budget office and they're, they're, they're nonpartisan uh, and they're going to give it to us the way the facts the way we like it or not and 
I've been very concerned because I've been seeing all the... All right, so... Uh, so White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is saying that any speculation that negotiations on Build Back Better are going to be going into next year, that that is premature. But as you listen to right. Joe Manchin talk, he sounds like the Republicans, the Republicans that are not going to be voting for Build Back Better for the same exact reasons. The What they see as wasteful public spending, the concerns that they have about inflation. He's parroting the same talking points that you hear from Republicans about why this shouldn't pass. So how are they going to get him on board? What what is what does he want now? Because this was already crafted in his image. Strangely <laughs> what enough. He wants. Yeah, strangely enough, he didn't just say. Yeah. Yeah, and of course. Yeah, and he was he was milking it up. I don't know if you picked up on this, but the CNN reporter there Manu Raju was going to ask a clarifying question. He said, "Oh, give me a second and I'll come back to you." Like he's right. like, "I'm going to be here for a while. Don't worry. Keep the cameras rolling." That's exactly right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's like it's there's a statistic I heard that when they started televising baseball games, like the game stretched from like 50 or 75% longer. Because pitchers knew, well, I'm on TV right now. I can milk this for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. Same kind of a thing with Joe Biden or Joe uh, Joe Manchin. Yeah. Well, we also had the $768 billion defense bill that passed this, the House last week. Yeah. That's going to By the, the Senate. Way, how much consternation did Joe Manchin have over that? Right. Well, yeah. Now it's headed to the Senate and it's actually $24 billion more than what president biden asked for yeah like it's it's bigger than even president no biden problem. wanted no problem spending money on on our i'm going to use the word euphemistically our defense mm-hmm. we're in peacetime there is <laughs> zero need for the insanely large and bloated and wasteful military spending that we have imagine the good that could be done if we took even a quarter of the military budget $200 billion. What could we do with $200 billion yeah. in a year, a single year? Right. So we're going to continue to watch the negotiations for Build Back Better. I truly am not optimistic in terms of this being passed before Christmas. Just with how things went with infrastructure and how things seem to be going now, I, I hope that they can get this done, though, because headed into 2022, this is not going to be good for Democrats, their inability to get anything meaningful done in 2022 is going to be a big problem. Yeah, and, and as it stands right now, Democrats are imperfect. They are the imperfect guardians of our democracy, but they're all that stands in the way between us and and a Donald Trump-run totalitarian fascist state. Really, that should scare you. Mm -hmm. That it's Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden standing in the gap for you. And listen, I've been screaming about this on YouTube for a while now. And now, just now, the media is starting to pick up on this. Jake Tapper had some stuff to say on his show on Sunday that was very poignant. Late to the party if I do say so, JTAP. But he had some good things to say nonetheless about where we stand right now and the state of our democracy. Polling shows a majority of Republican voters now believe the falsehood that the election was stolen. One of those Republicans, this man, 
Stephen Lindemuth, a substitute teacher from Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, who attended the January 6th rally and posted on his Facebook page, quote, unfortunately, a few weeds sprouted up and turned a very positive event into a negative one. A few weeds sprang up mixed within the wheat. They looked like wheat. They smelled like wheat. They appeared to be wheat, but they certainly weren't wheat. The enemy had planted some weeds in among the wheat, unquote. I'm not certain if Mr. Lindemuth was suggesting that the hundreds of Trump supporters who have been prosecuted for attacking the Capitol were not actually Trump supporters. But the only reason I'm even mentioning him to you is because Mr. Lindemuth ran and won the position of judge of elections in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. A guy who attended that ridiculous Stop the Steal rally saying he was, quote, standing for the truth to be heard. He's now in charge of elections. And this is happening all over the country in offices small and large, from Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake in Arizona, endorsed by Trump, to former Georgia Senator David Perdue, endorsed by Trump to challenge incumbent Republican Governor Brian Kemp. Perdue just told Axios that he would not have signed the state's certification of electors had he been governor. Make no mistake, the folks from this movement do not believe in free and fair elections. They do not believe in your vote counting unless you vote for them. Their platform is disenfranchisement and derangement. It is undemocratic, and it's frankly un-American, and they're doing it right in front of all of us, right out in the open. Trump once said, quote, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose voters. He did try to kill democracy once. And he's going to try to do it again, clearly. But this time, with a little help from his friends, he might actually pull it off. So more of this, wall to wall, every hour, as much as they talked about Hillary's emails, as much as they talked about Hunter's laptop, we need to be hearing this. This is really maybe the most important thing. Obviously, we can chew gum and walk at the same time. We can address and deal with funding and all these other legislative issues. But this is the most important thing facing us as a nation in the history of our lifetimes. Absolutely. And I don't want people to get confused and think that I think this is as important as Hunter's laptop and Hillary's emails. No. The point is the amount of time that they spent talking right. about those two things and how what Jake Tapper just did, how that has been absent from CNN. I don't watch MSNBC as much, but that has been absent yeah. from CNN. I haven't seen it talked about as much from PBS. I really like PBS. I haven't heard it wall to wall like I should be. It hasn't been a focus for them. And I get what you mean, Jesse, because we have had some criticism for things that we share on the page. Like when we talk about student debt loan forgiveness, people will say, well, if anyone's talking about anything other than the democracy crumbling, then it, you can't take them seriously. And I understand that it's important to be talking about it. But we can. We can walk and chew gum yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time. We can criticize other things. We can talk about what the Democrats should be doing, what they should be passing, the important legislation. But also, democracy, the yeah. the, the central issue here is... Because without democracy, none of the other shit is going to happen or matters. Exactly. So we talked last time about the PowerPoint with Mark Meadows yeah. and how Mark Meadows had turned over thousands of documents well the house That's before refusing to cooperate 
He remember he wasn't going to cooperate, and then he was. He gave him some documents, and then pulled out and said, "Nah, nah, nah, I'm not going to do this." Yes, but they already have the documents that he turned over. Yeah. So the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol attack voted to hold Mark Meadows in criminal contempt of Congress because of that refusal to cooperate. Yes. Right now on Capitol Hill, the January 6th committee set up to, is set to hold a vote to punish Mark Meadows for not fully cooperating with their investigation. Meadows was a former chief of staff to President Trump. At first, Meadows did give some documents to the committee and appeared to cooperate. But then he cited executive privilege and decided he would disobey a subpoena to testify. The committee will vote to recommend he face criminal contempt charges. If successful, the motion would then go to the full House floor for approval before the Justice Department can consider the matter. Now, we've seen this once before with Steve Bannon, the one-time presidential advisor who was indicted last month for his refusal to cooperate. Bannon has pleaded not guilty. NBC's Garrett Haig live on Capitol Hill. Garrett, as part of their push, the committee out with new claims about Meadows' actions the day before the Capitol was stormed. Tell us about them. Yeah, Tyler, the committee doesn't typically reveal the information that they're gathering in their investigation. But in this case, as part of the report to justify this contempt vote tonight, they've revealed some of the documents they've gathered from Mark Meadows that have some very interesting information in them, including an email that Meadows sent to an as yet undisclosed recipient the day before the insurrection, in which he says not to worry that the National Guard would be on site to protect pro-Trump people who might come out. There's also text messages here between Meadows and an unnamed lawmaker talking about a controversial plan to throw out some electoral votes. Meadows tells that lawmaker he loves it. Further, we see other communications or we are told of other communications between Meadows and lawmakers in various states that the Trump campaign wanted to try to challenge. I talked to one member of the January 6th committee today who told me Meadows is unique. He's right at the nexus between the Trump White House, Trump campaign, and a lot of these activist groups that got involved in the so-called Stop the Steal effort. That is why they are so committed to trying to talk to him and why we're seeing this contempt vote about to play out in this House committee tonight, Tyler. Garrett, thank you very much. Garrett Hake. Uh- well, well, in addition to those items that he just talked about, he also, there was talk about uh, either in emails or text messages that the committee released in their resolution to hold him in contempt, that he, they were talking about standing up a a whole different electoral college like just out of the out of a whole cloth thin air create an electoral college that would vote for Trump it is not an accident what took place on January 6th and their strategies are not an accident they are trying to overturn the will of the American people and by virtue of that destroy democracy in America. It's not hyperbole. It's not mild exaggeration. These are fucking facts. Yeah. And in the vote, the vote passed. Mm-hmm. It's moving on to the House. Zero to nine. It will pass the House and it will be moved on to the to the Justice Department where they will bring the evidence before an impaneled grand jury and I believe he will be held in contempt of Congress. It will go to court. Mm-hmm. And during that vote... Uh, ranking Republican Liz Cheney read text messages that Mark Meadows received during the attack on the Capitol. And uh, buckle in, everybody, because there's going to be several here from various Fox News hosts. It really tells you. Let's talk about this before we play these clips. 
One, to build a little suspense, because let me tell you guys, holy fucking shit. <laughs> Brittany had it playing on her laptop. Yeah. and I Because I, I, I was getting the clip. I was yeah, getting the audio. preparing the show, and I was over here. I get the audio now. Is this, now. Is, this uh, is this new? What is this? Mm-hmm. And it's Fox News host after Fox News host after Fox News host being alarmed of what they were witnessing right. on TV. Right. Texting the White House chief of staff about how to protect Donald Trump's legacy and all of these things. Imagine if there was a, 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 a an event like that and it was Anderson Cooper and Mich- uh, Rachel Maddow and mm. all these, these liberal media people right. with a direct pipeline connection to the Oval Office texting <laughs> about what they're... Please, please, you got to unfuck this situation. Right. And then, and we're going back to the Fox people, after all of the alarm bells are sounded, then they go to the air, and it's, ah, it was a happy family reunion. Mm-hmm. It was a tourist event. Yep. It was nothing but, oh, it just a, it, a, a couple of trespassers. That's all it is. Yeah. Amazing. Listen to this audio of Liz Cheney reading text messages to Mark Meadows the day of the insurrection. One text Mr. Meadows received said, quote, we are under siege here at the Capitol. Another, quote, they have breached the Capitol. In a third, Mark, protesters are literally storming the Capitol, breaking windows on doors, rushing in. Is Trump going to say something? A fourth, there's an armed standoff at the House chamber door. And another from someone inside the Capitol. We are all helpless. Dozens of texts, including from Trump administration officials, urged immediate action by the president. Quote, POTUS has to come out firmly and tell the protesters to dissipate. Someone is going to get killed. In another, Mark, he needs to stop this now. A third, in all caps, tell them to go home. A fourth, and I quote, POTUS needs to calm this shit down. Indeed, according to the records, multiple Fox News hosts knew the president needed to act immediately. They texted Mr. Meadows, and he has turned over those texts. Quote, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, Donald Trump Jr. texted. 
So also, a Republican lawmaker texted Meadows on January 7th and said, Yesterday was a terrible day. We tried everything we could in our objection to the six states. I'm sorry nothing worked. And they don't say who sent this text message. Yeah. So with all of this, you have Fox News hosts knowing exactly what's happening here, saying destroying legacy, destroying everything you've worked for. I'm so happy that these are out there, that we have a name put to the texts. I would love to see Brian Kilmeade's face, Sean Hannity's face, Laura Ingram's face as they watched Liz Cheney read their text messages to yeah. Mark Meadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that is not something that they want out there. Not that it's going to move the needle or have any effect on people that watch their programming, but it but will. It, but it might. Some, you think so? Some. Well, look I at mean, you being all hopeful. Not a great deal, but there might be some dissipation of, of support. I mean, it's 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 flagrant. It's gross. It's it's um. There should be a division. It's the same reason why Chris Cuomo got fired. Too close. That's not your job. Mm-hmm. And they they can they can hide behind. Oh, I'm just a commentator. But Sean Hannity doesn't say that. He acts like he's a journalist. Brian Kilmeade is on their morning show, journalist guy. Mm-hmm. Gross. Right. Yeah. Well, and the Guardian reporter that we referenced last time when we talked about the PowerPoint, he tweeted today. Hugo Lowell. Yes. Bottom line, he says, text messages to Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, appear to show that GOP members of Congress and the Trump White House conspired to overthrow Biden's election victory on January 6th. Which were the last text messages, the ones you just read. Yeah. Which is, oh, we tried everything we could to overturn the election. Mm Mm-hmm. The certified, the settled election results, we tried everything we could to act undemocratically, anti-democratically. Sorry. And we don't know who wrote that. We don't know who said, I'm sorry, nothing worked. That's because the committee is not releasing it. They know because they have the phone number. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, of course, we had some suspicion here because 147 Republicans voted to overturn the election results. Right. But right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like we are shocked to learn that some of this was going on, but it is to see it in an actual text message form and to know that these conversations were happening. It is. It makes it just that much more alarming. It makes it that much more real. And, and it is alarming. And it is real. Yeah. It's not humdrum. Yeah. This isn't normal. This isn't, uh, you know, this is just politics as usual. No, and it's no a, the fuck it's not. And it is a bad situation when you have an entire network like Fox News Channel yeah. dedicated to spreading this misinformation and, and indoctrinating the, their viewers. It's the least radical of the three big conservative networks out there right now. You got Newsmax and OAN. And Fox News comes across as the reasonable one, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. comparatively speaking. Oh, yeah. Many people have, in fact, turned on Fox News. Right. Because of that. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, again, terrifying. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Please email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Rohit Chopra. Rohit Chopra. 
Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Director. Oh, that's a lot of mouthful. Yes. Uh, re- recently released a research report saying that major banks that use overdraft fees are not acting as they should. Are they soulless? He did not use the word soulless. Let's let's hear from from Rohit. <laughs> She's not a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did not use the word solace, but said that he's going to be using the Bureau to take action to, quote, restore meaningful competition in the market unless more banks end overdraft fees voluntarily. So he's going after banks for their overdraft fees. Now, I don't know if they're going to have the information in there, and I don't know the specific number, but every big bank makes billions of dollars a year from overdraft fees, which means people who are in a financial position to not have the money are the ones paying, right. are the ones bolstering their bottom line. What do they? Ha- do you have the number? You look like you have the number. Well, I have a number from 2019. So banks and credit unions made 15.5 billion dollars off of overdraft fees in 2019. Come on. And if we're looking at just the three biggest banks, then that's they they have five billion of that total. Yeah. So just to put some of those costs in perspective, Bank of America charges thirty five dollars for their overdraft fee. Wells Fargo's fee is thirty five dollars as well, and Chase's fee. Oh, it's like a little discount. It's only thirty four dollars. Oh, yeah. Wow. Perfect. So right under the radar. Like, no one's going to notice. Like you said, Jesse, this is really kind of a, a poverty tax where you don't have enough money, a bill goes through your account, the bank has to pay it or cover for you, and so they charge you. They charge you money. And th- did you know that there's a former bank executive that named a boat of his overdraft? Ugh. Fucking, I wish I had a solace, a solace <laughs> drop. Seriously. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. So in the research report, he went on to say, quote, rather than competing on transparent upfront pricing, large financial institutions are still hooked on the exploitative junk fees that can quickly drain a family's bank account. So in response to this, Capital One has announced that it will scrap overdraft fees entirely in 2022. Uh, This just in from the owner of the boat. Hello, poor. (laughs) Can't believe I didn't go straight to it. Yeah. So th- this is this is just a threat, right? This isn't actually any kind of action that they're taking against the banks yet. It's just this research report with a focus on overdraft fees and the damage that they do. And already Capital One is announcing that they're going to get rid of overdraft fees entirely in 2022. And if, if Democrats had any stones at all, any chutzpah at all, any aggressiveness in them, they would... Crack down on the banks and regulate the fuck out of these banks, just like we did before they deregulated everything and let them run amok and destroy our economy, mm-hmm. especially on the backs of poor people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I was reading an article today w- where they said eliminating overdrafts shouldn't be the goal because there are people that prefer to use that rather than payday loans. So, you know, it's just that... Well, that should be illegal anyway. That's part of the cracking down you mean on the payday banks loans. and lenders. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, also, just ab- just uh, predatory. It's just 
predation on the poor. Yes. Well, and I, I think the argument that they were making in not eliminating overdrafts entirely is that they just need to kind of give best practices to banks and like not charge more than one fee per overdraft, give a grace period, send people alerts. There's different things that I think they could recommend to banks that this person was recommending. But if you are not wanting to tax people who are experiencing poverty, then it seems like the best way to go is not to ruin their lives when they don't have enough money and make that situation much worse. So that is, seems to be kind of the it starting is. It is a It is a poverty surcharge. Oh, don't have enough? Here's a bill because you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Fuckers. Yeah. Well, take care of Biz. Rohit. Chopra. Rohit Chopra. Yes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about this as well as anything else or anything else that's on your mind. 657-464-7609. You can email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for spending some time with us today. See you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.